What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Process Podcast. I'm Charlie Witkowski, joined as always by Nick Veronica. Nick, how you doing, man? Hey, Charlie. I'm good. I'm hanging in there on day whatever this is of quarantine. Haven't uh, lost my sanity yet. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing good. Um, my only problem is I don't know what day of the week it is anymore. All the days <laughs> seem to be blending in together. How are you doing on toilet paper reserves? You know, right now, I will give my wife some credit here. She thought through finding enough toilet paper for us before all this craziness happened anyway. So we are definitely good on toilet paper. Paper towels, on the other hand, we're running low on. But, uh, you know, I don't know. How about you? How are you guys looking on the, on the TP situation? We're stable right now. But I was wondering, like, if you run out of TP, like, what what's the next best thing to use? I think tissues would have to be next, right? Like, you don't really want to use paper towels. That's kind of scratchy. You know, I saw this somewhere. Um, someone sent me some video of, like, some guy thinking this whole process through. He made a good point. <laughs> now, it might be a little gross, but I think it's a valid point. Oh, boy. He did, he did say, just hop in the shower. Jeez. Uh, you know, I mean, hey, at the end, at I the mean, end of the he's day. Not, he's not wrong. It's like a natural, but it's like a bidet, but not really a bidet at this point. If you say so. I mean, it's just like instead of coming from, you know, coming up and and doing its job that way, it's just kind of slowing down. Like, I've only used a bidet one time in my life, but it's like it's self contained at least. Like, it does, like, other people use the shower. I feel like it would definitely be an emergency situation. Yeah, yeah, maybe, okay, maybe. I see that. But I, I do an emergency. Like, I do like what you're saying about tissues. I think Kleenex would would be a a valuable thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or or maybe like old towels that may be ready to throw out and <laughs> one one time use them and throw them yeah. out if you, if you need to. So major one time use. <laughs> you know, but Jeez. but man, there, so there's not a lot going on in sports, you know, right now. But uh, one thing is. You know, I know we're going from toilet paper to sports, but hey, that's what we do here on the Process Podcast. Um, the NFL offseason has been pretty interesting, despite everything going on. Yeah, I saw a lot of a lot of people were calling for the NFL to like pause their offseason, and they were probably like, "Are you kidding? This is the only sports news happening. Like, we're going to get all the attention." So it has definitely has given us something to focus on outside of uh, the dying. But, um, Jeez, yeah. yeah, let's talk about the Bills, man. They've made some good moves. They've bolstered their team, as we've discussed on previous podcasts. Today we're going to go through the depth chart as it stands now after the first wave of free agency. And let's just talk about what still needs to be addressed or what concerns you have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Give, give me, uh, shoot, shoot me what you got, man, and I'll give you my thoughts. All right. Um, if we're going to look here, we're going to go offense and defense or just biggest concerns, just spit off what you got with me. But I'm going to start on offense. I think offensive line is still a question mark for me. Going across the depth chart right now at left tackle, we got, uh, I wouldn't say pencil in. I'd say he's written in ink. We got Dan Dawkins, left guard. We got Quentin Spain. I think he's going to get the job. I, I feel not as confident as Dawkins. Mitch Morris is the center for sure. Right guard, we got John Feliciano. Right tackle, we got Cody Ford. I still think something could change there with Ford, depending on what else happens in free agency. But for the sake of this, uh, we're going to say that that's the starting five. And then you got Ty Inseki, Spencer Long, Ryan Bates, Darrell Williams, 
as reserves. That kind of worries me. Like down the stretch, the O line, especially in the playoff game, was not good. And they they added stuff on Diggs. The offense looks like it could get better. If you can't block anybody, you're still going to have problems. That seems like an issue for me. No, I agree with you. I think um, depth at O line is definitely a concern. Um, you know, and I think we've seen a little bit of that in years past. But I will say. They've done a good job of bringing in some competition, especially on, uh, you know, the tackle side. You know, obviously, Deion Dawkins, I think, is going to wrap up that that left tackle spot. Um, Cody Ford, I, I have a feeling they may may try to move forward to guard. Um, but, again, we'll, we'll see what happens. And they're they're getting uh, La Adrian Weddle back, um, who was hurt all last season. And he's a pretty good depth uh tackle or guard however they decide to use him as well so um you know only a few concerns i feel like but you know if, if, if you get deep into the season and you do get a lot of injuries um with the lack of off season that they're going to have i feel like yes that is a little bit of concern when you look at a at the depth chart currently yeah waddle's still a free agent i could definitely see him coming back here especially after mm-hmm. he didn't really get a chance to play last season i am a little worried that like O-line sort of picked over already in free agency. So you're either looking at the draft, which would be a, they don't have a first-round pick, so it would be a second-rounder, or you're looking at trying to you know, pick pick through what's left. Or potentially right. they could trade with Washington for Trent Williams. He'd be a big tackle. I don't know. That doesn't feel like a fit for the Bills, especially with what Washington is, has been asking. But it is an option if you feel you really need to upgrade the O-line. You know... O-line, to me, honestly, is not my biggest concern. Um, they've done a good job of, of really keeping that O-line together, and they were pretty good last year. Um, and they've they, they done a good job of keeping all those guys together and making sure that they're kind of building that particular unit. Um, my, my biggest question mark right now is backup running back. Really, um, you know, when you look at that offensive side of the ball, I know some people have been saying tight end. I really don't feel like they need to go out and add another tight end. They have enough tight ends on the roster right now. Um, but you look up the ba- backup running back and backup quarterback position. I know we talked about the backup quarterback stuff a few weeks ago, um, but right now, uh, definitely backup running back and backup quarterback are two positions that really stick out to me. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I absolutely RB two was the second item on my list, so I totally agree with you. I think a reason for me it wasn't higher is that there that's a position that's sort of easily replaceable. So it is is definitely an issue. I just didn't rank it as high for that reason. So I think there's some veterans they could still add. They could add another another guy in the draft. Singletary I expect to be the lead back, but I don't expect them to like really be the bell cow like you used to see. I think he's going to be number one. I don't know who's going to be the you know who basically who he was last year, and then like I don't think they like T.J. Yeldon that much, and they did sign Taiwan Jones. He seems like a third running back to me, so I'm assuming Yeldon is going to get cut here, or is at least on the bubble. Is that what you're thinking? I think Yeldon's on the bubble, and I, I if I'm not mistaken, I remember when they signed him last year. It's not a big cap hit, you know. If they cut him this year, he's one year left on his contract. It's only about a million and a half, maybe or so, on the cap. Not a big deal. Um, I just don't see them wanting to use him enough. He's not a guy that they would use too much on special teams. 
uh, like Taiwan Jones. Taiwan Jones is obviously a special team guy. Uh, at least he's always been for us, unless it's Houston and he just decides to almost score the game-winning <laughs> touchdown in overtime of the playoff game. But, you know, we've never really seen him do too much of that for us in Buffalo. Um, but he, he's a tough, competitive guy, and I, I like Taiwan Jones. Um, I just don't think we saw enough of TJ Yeldon last year to really know what he can and can't do for this offense. Um, but I just don't see him him, him making it. Uh, I could see them improving that RB2 through the draft, especially in the second round. I can see them jumping on a guy early on in the second round. Um, but someone that really interests me for the RB2 position is uh, um, Freeman. Dante Freeman from, from formerly uh, the Atlanta Falcons. He's a, he's a big guy. He's a big power back. Uh, but he's had success in the league in, in years past, and you know he had success doing a a, a a a a you know a double running back type of style between him and Tevin Coleman when Coleman was in Atlanta. This year, Coleman was obviously not there. Coleman was in San Francisco, and uh, Freeman's numbers took a big hit. You know they put all the workload on him, and that that really hurt him a lot. I think if you could bring him into a system where maybe you're getting him maybe seven, eight carries a game. You know, really, obviously, letting Singletary be your be your main number one back, but you're bringing in Freeman in situations where you really need him to to, um, to to pound the ball down the middle, even out of the backfield. He's he's good at catching the ball out of the backfield as well. I think he would be a big upgrade to the running back two position if if they can uh, can land a guy like him. Yeah, he's definitely the biggest name that's out there. Lamar Miller is that interesting to you? He's a out little there? bit. He's another guy as well. He's had success before. Um, He's another guy that interests me. I don't know if Lamar Miller's ready to be a running back too, though. Um, I think he still thinks he could be a number one somewhere, but I don't know where there's really many number one jobs left at this point. Yeah, so there are some other names out there that are interesting. Uh, Chris Thompson from Washington. Sean McCoy is actually a free agent. Carlos Hyde, Theo Riddick, Frank Gore, uh, Darren Sproles, Bilal Powell, Isaiah Crowell, Robert Turbin. We can keep going here. Amir Abdallah was highly regarded at one point. Uh, and then a couple other guys you probably know from picking off a of waivers one week in fantasy when you were desperate. But, um, yeah, I think whoever they bring in will be fairly inexpensive and it'll basically be be a guy who can catch a little bit out of the backfield, can take handoffs on third downs. I expect Singletary to be the main, the featured back here. Could you see them, and, and, I, don't, and I don't see this happening, obviously I'm just kind of asking because I'm sure there's fans out there thinking of it. Could you possibly see them bringing back Sean McCoy for one year just to back up Singletary at this point, kind of give him that veteran guy again who has a very similar style to what Singletary likes to do and how Singletary likes to run the ball, um, you know, and he'll be able to have somebody to, you know, guide him for just his second year in the league and maybe help him avoid that, that sophomore slump? I would say no because they cut him last year and they basically try to just get rid of him. So I don't know that he would – totally want that or that the bills would really want that i think if they had traded them they could have at least said you know all right you know you brought value back for us it was just a good deal it wasn't personal and just saying oh you're cut that seems kind of like an indictment of like we don't think you can play anymore or at least at least to the level we would expect you to play right for and your I, contract I th- or for your, your your spot and i think that too you know i've seen a few people out there in 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 the twitter t- twitter world that have been saying Oh, you know what? What about LeSean McCoy? LeSean McCoy is a free agent, but a lot of those people 
you know, I, I don't think look at it the same way as you do, Nick. I think they look at it like, oh, I'm a big LeSean McCoy fan, and I could love to get the dust off my LeSean McCoy jersey that I, you know, that I that I no longer can wear. But I don't see that being a a thing for them. I don't see LeSean McCoy being that guy that they bring back. But I I still really like the uh, Dante Freeman addition if they can can make that work. I think if you can make the money work, you know, you can bring him in on a prove it deal, bring him in for one year, and just kind of let him be that that power back. I think that'd be good for them. Um, one thing that we didn't talk about when we were talking about the O-line real quick was Buffalo added Daryl Williams this week. Um, another veteran guy. Another, another Carolina, Carolina guy, right? Yep, another Carolina guy. Um, how do you think that impacts the offensive line, if at all? Uh, right now, I don't see him cracking the starting lineup unless somebody goes down. So I think the five names we mentioned are kind of who the Bills are heading into. Well, they would be heading into OTAs, assuming that those were the the starting five. So I don't see that changing unless something happens to one of those guys, or they bring in somebody even even better to start, and and then Ford maybe gets moved. But I don't think, uh, at least at this point, I don't see Williams cracking the starting lineup right now. But he could be he could be a good depth guy, swing tackle maybe. I don't know. No, I I agree. I think he he he'd be a good swing tackle for for this offense. Um, you know, if if they can bring him in and use him for for that role specifically, um, but right now I I think going into camp it's going to be Cody Ford's job to lose there at at tackle and and I think at that point we'll we'll kind of have an idea if we even get a camp at this point, um, right? But if, if they can get to camp, I think they're going to kind of let Cody Ford come in and prove that he can uh, can solidify his job on the right side, and uh, and if not, maybe move him into guard, but. You know, again, what do you do with do with Quentin Spain, who you just brought back, who had a very good year last year, and 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 I don't see them really moving him to the left guard position either, or to left tackle. I mean, I I, I was a really big fan of them using the rotation on the right side last year between Naseki and Ford. I wouldn't mind seeing them maybe do that again uh, with Naseki and Ford, and maybe even you know throwing Williams in the mix a little bit as well. I mean, I would just prefer if Ford played so good they never wanted to take him off the field. Yeah, I mean, obviously that would be the that's what you would want, <laughs> but um, I think we saw it a lot last year. I think he has a lot of growing to still do, and I I just don't think he's there yet to really be your um, three four down offensive lineman right now. I don't I don't think so. I think he will be. I think his potential is very good, but I don't think he's he solidified that job yet. Now who knows what he's done in the off season, right? He could have you know worked his worked his butt off all off season um, and been able to come in. And been able to come in and be able to, um, uh, you know, solidify his job on the right right side of the line, but again, I haven't seen enough of him yet. And and really, the way that he played in Houston as well in that playoff game, uh, he didn't have the best game. Um, didn't have the worst game that he had all, all year, but he didn't have his best game either. And I need a little bit more out of my 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 right tackle there. I hear you. All right, so I do agree with you that tight ends looks pretty set right now. They got Knox, Croft, Sweeney, Lee Smith, and they still have Jason Kroom around. That looks pretty set. Wide receivers definitely good. John Brown, Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs. They also got Duke Williams and Robert Foster around. Also have Isaiah McKenzie's back. Ray Ray McLeod, I think, is still around. They are set on on the receiver. Uh, side note: before we switch to defense, QB two could be a little bit of an issue. I think if Josh Allen gets hurt. I don't know that you really want Barkley leading the playoff push. That's a that's a subject for a different conversation, maybe. But uh, QB two, I could 
I wouldn't be mad if they wanted to address it. No, and that's something I think we've talked about before. You know, I think we both said that we wanted to see Case Keenum in that role, and he obviously went and signed somewhere else. Um, but again, who do you bring in at this point? It seems like from everything that I'm hearing, and, and I don't know if you've heard or read differently, um, it seems like New England's kind of set with what they're doing right now on 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 quarterback. Um, you know, they don't seem to be wanting to bring in a guy like. Uh, like a Cam Newton right now, who also is a free agent, who I don't see him coming and being a backup. Hey, um, hold on, hold on. Speaking of that, just I'm going to drop a surprise on you here. Did you happen to see the Instagram comments this week on Cam Newton's post? No. All right, so Cam Newton, in his weird font that he always uses, he posts, at this point in time, you know I'm not playing with you suckas. And he's like a picture of him throwing. And then... 3,000 comments, and then the one, like, when you follow people, it comes up. Thurman Thomas, call me. And says, some guy has my number, at Cam Newton. Call me. That looked weird to me. That was interesting. I don't see... Again, you know, and I feel a little bit different about um, Josh Allen than you do. You know, I know we've talked about our differences with that as well. I don't see them going out and building this offense that they're building right now and saying, hey, Josh, we're going to bring in a guy like Camp Newton. Yeah, I don't don't say that either. I just thought it was super weird that Thurman Thomas was saying, hey, call me. What did you make of that? I I don't know, man. Again, you know, maybe he's just kind of like Thurman being Thurman could just be like, dude, like you got to relax a little bit. Watch what you're doing on, (laughs) you know, on the, uh, the, 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 the Twitter world, you know, Instagram world. Just be careful. Um but I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not reading too much into it. I really don't read too much into that stuff until you start hearing all the rumors floating around. Um, but no, Cam Newton's not really someone that I'm looking at Buffalo bringing in in any means. Uh, at this point, he's 31. He's had a lot of injuries. I'm not going to you know give Josh Allen any kind of competition that he needs to worry about right now. I want him to go in and focus on being the number one QB um, and having the number one QB job locked up and just continue on improving. I, again, I don't think he needs to worry about any kind of competition. But um, w- one name that, that really interests me a little bit um, that I, I could maybe see see them taking a chance on um, is a guy like a uh, Joe Flacco who was just cut. Um, he's a guy that has proven that he can win in the past. Obviously, in Baltimore, he won the Super Bowl with Baltimore. Um but he's not a bad guy to bring in as your number two um, veteran guy who, again, has had success winning. He's 35, so you know he's not expecting a lot. But I feel like he's an upgrade over Matt Barkley. What do you think on that? I would tr- I would feel better with him going in instead of Barkley if Allen got hurt. So I don't like I don't I don't feel that the Bills are like looking to add to the quarterback room right now. I like I feel like, like they think they're set. So if they're open to it, like, yeah, I wouldn't mind that. I just I don't know how likely it is, though. No, and, and that's something, too. Yeah, I feel like it would have been something that they would have filled fairly quickly um, if it was something that they really wanted to do, but they, they obviously haven't well, done Fla- that. Flacco, that too, he was, he's, he was hurt, though, right? So, like, I don't even know if the doctors would be able to give him a physical yet at this point. Right, right. Well, and that's the one thing, too, that we're kind of waiting to see as well is, is he going to be able to pass the physical? But nothing has really been reported since he was cut. I haven't heard too many people uh, mentioning uh, Joe Flacco and mentioning what's going on with Flacco. 
but he's he's just kind of one of those names that always has that that at least in the last couple of weeks has really stood out to me. And you know, you still have Josh McCown out there that I would still would not mind seeing Josh McCown come in and be be that number two guy. Uh, again, another veteran, a guy that you know can really help out a young guy like Josh Allen. Um, and again, I think is an upgrade over what you have right now with Matt Barkley. But we have to see what happens there. Yep. All right, let's switch over to defense. Let me read you the starting defensive lineup as it stands right now. Start on the line. Jerry Hughes, Ed Oliver, Starla Tule, Mario Addison. Linebackers, Matt Milano, um, Edmonds, and they just signed A.J. Klein. Safeties are Poyer and Hyde. Cornerbacks, we got Tredavis White. And then we'll say it's a competition between Josh Norman and Levi Wallace at this point. And then in the slot, you have Teron Johnson. You see Mario Addison being a starter real quick over Trent Murphy? I think they would, for what they paid him, I imagine. I, you know, I, I should probably backtrack that a little bit. I would say it's going to be more of a competition in camp. But uh, for now, I would put Addison in over Murphy. Okay. Okay. And I would agree with you on that. I think uh, Addison could come in. Again, he's, he's had success no matter what his age has been. Age has really just been a number for that guy. So he's been able to come in and, and be successful uh, lately as well. And I think he's, he's an upgrade over Trent Murphy. Um, but, but again, we have to see what, uh, how that would play out through competition. Yeah. So I think those 11 or 12 names, that sounds like a good lineup to me. What I'm more worried about here is the depth. I think the linebackers, especially you have Milano Edmonds, I think are very good. I think AJ Klein sounds like he's decent. I don't know too much about him. If any one of those guys gets hurt, the bills are in trouble. Backup, uh, backup linebackers right now. Voshan Joseph, I don't know. Tyrell Dotson, I don't know. Corey Thompson, and then they just signed uh, Tyler Matikavich, who played almost no defense. He's basically a special team stud, but played almost no defense for Pittsburgh. One thing I will say, and I'll give a lot of credit to this coaching staff, because where they've really been successful is getting a lot of those guys when, when their players are going down and they have that next man up mentality, they get a lot of that next man up. They, they get a lot out of that player, whoever it might be. Um, and I think Voshan Joseph, for example, was a guy who was hurt last year, got hurt early, um, was kind of looked at being more of a special teams guy coming out of camp and go, you know going into camp, I should say. Uh, he was a late-round draft pick last year, but... Uh, I like Voshan Joseph. I think he has an opportunity. Um, I don't necessarily. He's not going to start, right? We know he's not going to be a starter on this this linebacking core. I think our linebacking core is pretty pretty solid. Um, but I I could see him being able to fill a role and maybe not losing too much out of a guy like an AJ Klein or something like that. So. Yeah, I, I agree with your point on like the next man up. I'm just just saying like. It's hard to replace guys of that talent. If if Tremaine, um, I'm sorry, if uh, I just butcher his name, if Edmonds gets hurt, man, like they, there's no one who can replace what he does. And Matt Milano, I think, is probably underrated around the league. If he gets hurt, like those guys are very difficult to replace. And the guys that they have are none of them are proven. I would say so. No, that it's, it's that still worries something me. They could build on through the draft. It's still a position that. I think you can take on take early on in the draft. I think it's it's a pretty good linebacker draft, um, and I could definitely see him jumping on a linebacker if not in the second round, maybe the third round. 
Um, but I can see them possibly jumping on linebacker fairly early um, in, in one of the top, you know, third, fourth, uh, second round. All right, and then talk to me. Like, I get that talking about, you know, backups in depth means that, like, you're pretty good and, like, these are smaller issues. So it's not like, oh, my gosh, where we don't have a cornerback. Like, I get it. I would say the same thing, though, about safety. Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyatt, great safety duo. If either one of them gets hurt, you're in trouble. No, I agree. Um, that's another position as well. I know they just brought back um, Dean Marlowe, who, again, had, has, has he's been with Sean McDermott his entire career. So I think you know McDermott really sees a lot of him. And uh, I do like Jaquan Johnson. Um, and I think Saran Neal can also drop back and play safety as well. So, um, and, and Saran Neal and, and Nick, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought we saw a lot of positives out of Saran Neal last year. Um, he's really been able to, to jump down and be that big nickel when, when Buffalo's running that big nickel uh, defense. And I thought he played pretty well in that big nickel role. And I think he can fit in if needed in a death position at safety. Um, Safety is really not a position that I look too deep at when I look at um, the defense. And, and in all honesty, the defense is probably the, the last area where I'm really looking at at uh, a lot of problems in depth. I think they've done a good job of addressing the cornerback needs uh, this offseason. You know, they just brought in EJ Gaines as well. Um, they still have Teron Johnson. They still have Levi Wallace. They brought in Josh Norman. You know, so they got pretty good cornerback depth. Um but I, I do agree with you when you mentioned Tremaine Edmonds. Tremaine Edmonds in the middle linebacking position is is probably one position that does worry me on the defense if I have to look at that entire depth chart. Because let's face it, your middle linebacker is your quarterback of your entire defense. Who can step into that role if he goes out? And maybe a Matt Milano, absolutely. Matt Milano is a, 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 a good leader. But if him and Matt Milano, Matt Milano both go down, who's stepping up and becoming that quarterback? Who's t- stepping up and being that middle linebacker? Or or the uh, or the the weak side linebacker for Buffalo, I don't really see too many options there. Corey Thompson's a, Corey Thompson's not a guy that jumps off the page to me, and and uh, Tyler Mekakevich, sorry if I said his name wrong, um, but he's not he's also not another uh, he's also not a guy that I could see stepping into that middle linebacker position and being the same leader um, as what you're what you'd be losing um, in Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. I mean. Any free agents out there that maybe you you want would want to see them bring in? I mean, I know there's a few out there, a few options out there, um, but you have to kind of you know. Yeah, it's tough with defense because it's like you know receivers can always catch. It's like defense, like you also have to like know the scheme and the system. Right, right, and defense is always a little bit different. And uh, again, it, it it's any of these defense. I I feel like this year in the draft, I the first year. Buffalo can go into the draft and say, okay, now we need to just go draft for death purposes at this point. I don't think you're going out and drafting too many starters, especially in the second or third round. I don't think they're going into this draft looking for starters. Maybe on the offensive line, maybe looking for upgrades at, at, with some pieces, maybe, again, at right tackle and seeing where they can move Cody Ford if they need to. But I don't see them going in this year. And, and again, I, you know, you want your opinion on this as well, but going in and strictly looking for um, 
starters. I think they're going in strictly looking for improvements to the depth positions, uh, at least for this year, and, and yeah. building a strong depth yep. behind their guys. Yeah, that's a really good place to be. There's no, I feel a little bit bad here. Like we're not like there's no screaming holes on this team. Where we're like, oh my gosh, these are the Bills' biggest needs. It's like they have everything sort of covered. They have a playoff team. They're you're basically patching patching up any depth. You're patching up you know all all the the rest of the roster. So no, no go ahead. One thing I've seen a lot of you know in in draft talk is them looking at. Um, getting a running back maybe in the second round. And I know I said, you know, maybe that's something they could do. But one player that I've really liked this entire process, and I was that guy, I, I watched the, I was flying the week of the combine. So I was on the plane a lot. So I looked at a lot of combine stuff and I wa- was watching the combine on the plane because I had nothing else to do. Um, don't tell my boss. He probably thought I was working or something. But, um, <laughs> you know, I was watching the combine. And I was kind of, Jotting down some notes, and one guy that really stood out to me that I really, really liked, and I know you and I have talked about him um, off the podcast, just in you know in, in personal conversations, was uh, Curtis Weaver from Boise State. He's an edge rusher. Uh, he's got speed. He's got strength. And he's a young guy that they could bring in to, to solidify that edge position, maybe add some more depth. Um, Jerry Hughes is a guy that worries me a little bit on that defense. Jerry Hughes is a guy who really we haven't seen be able to go over and play that left defensive end side. He's really just stuck to the right defensive end side. Um, I know that they brought in Quinton Jefferson, and I know that they got Daryl Johnson as well. And Daryl Johnson had some positives, uh, you know, in the preseason last year. But uh, if you can go out and get a guy like uh, Curtis Weaver in the second round at 54, I am totally okay with them jumping all over him. Man, you just love Boise State, I think. <laughs> hey, dude, it's that blue field that just does something. It just you know pulls on the heartstrings a little bit. Yep. Um, defensive end, I could see them adding to because while they do have some quality NFL guys here, and Jerry Hughes has been very good at times in his career, Mario Addison has been very good, Trent Murphy has had some flash. Like None of those guys jump off the page at you. None of those guys scare the offensive coordinator being like, "Oh my gosh, we gotta," you know. Well, maybe maybe I shouldn't say that. Like Jerry Hughes, when he's like peak Jerry Hughes, yeah, he is scary. But like, I don't know that you really trust you're gonna get peak Jerry Hughes all the time. Like Mario Addison has had a bunch of sacks. I don't know if he's he doesn't have name recognition like a guy you're afraid of. Like I don't know that anyone there really does it for you you know like like long term you're like who you know we need to keep mario at it you're like no he's a nice guy if there's someone way better out there yeah let's add it let's add to this position and and he's going to be a guy you know, talk about curtis weaver curtis weaver's going to be a guy that he may slip out of that first round um you know i know some some scouts have looked at him as a first round talent some some have looked at him as a second round talent but if Buffalo can get him at 54, I would consider that a steal for Buffalo. But like you said, you don't know what you're going to get out of Jerry Hughes. I don't think Jerry Hughes had too bad of a season last year, but we're not going to get that Jerry Hughes of what we've had for years past, you know, years before. Uh, he's getting older. He's aging a little bit. Uh, I don't see him being the wrecking ball as what he's been in the past anymore. So I'll be curious to see see what their plan is with Hughes going forward. Like I said, He's been that guy that could really only play one side of the defensive line. So, 
You need to get a little bit more out of Jerry Hughes if you can. Yeah, I think when the Bills still had a first-round pick, A.J. Espensa, defensive end, was a very popular uh, pick for the Bills. Yes. He, he was a guy that I, that I was seeing a lot as well through mock drafts and everything. And, um, but again, they, they've gone out, they've really addressed the edge position, but they need more. Uh, they've addressed it, but they've addressed it with older players, right? You need, to bring, you need to bring in some youth there because who knows what Jerry Hughes is going to ha- have left in the tank. Who knows what Mario Addison might be able to do or, or be able to stay healthy or anything like that. That's your, that's your worry with these older guys at this point is who can stay healthy and what are your options if those guys do go down and get hurt. All right, so I got one last question for you before we wrap up here. I don't know if you consider this a starting position, but... After seeming to fall out of favor last year, do you think the Bills are looking for a change of kicker? Or do you think they're good with Hauschka as their quote-unquote starting uh, kicker? I think they're looking for a kicker. You know, they uh, they were looking at guys last year throughout the season, even after they signed Hauschka, you know. So I don't see why they wouldn't be out there looking for an upgrade. Um He's just had too many struggles, man. And, and unfortunately, it all goes back to that Jets game you know, a couple years back where Hauschka just got taken out. Um, but they definitely need to find an upgrade. I think you need to – kicker's not something you're going to dra- uh, address in the draft. They're not going to be like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and <laughs> draft a, a kicker in one of the first three rounds or anything like that. Um but if you can go out and get a good kicker, you know, whether it's through free agency, whether it's through, uh, uh, you know, undrafted guys, I'm fine with that. I know the last few years they've always brought guys in to compete at the kicking position in, in camp. Uh, so, again, I'm, I'd be okay with that as well, depending on, on who they bring in. Uh, Guskowski was a guy that interested me at one point when he was floating around out there, when he was cut by New England. Um, but... I, I don't know if, if, if he's got too much left in the tank. I know we saw him struggle a little bit last year as well. So, Yeah, it's crazy. I couldn't believe it's been 14 years since he was the Patriots kicker already. Like, I always feel like, oh, he was that guy they brought in to replace Venetari, and now it's been literally 14 seasons. What are your thoughts on Puncher? You know, I know you said kicker, but what about Puncher? Puncher's somewhere else where they've struggled a little bit yeah, as well. Yeah, they got Corey Bajorko as... Um, I think he's okay. If they, you know, they also signed Kerry Vedvik, who was the kicker slash punter combo, who was with a couple teams last year. Yes. So I don't know if what they see him as. I think they see him as more of a punter than than a kicker, especially after the Jets game last year. Um, I have the sense that they aren't super happy with Bohorquez. So if there's, I would like. I think he's definitely on bubble watch. If he has a good camp, he'll probably be okay. And if he has a bad camp, he's probably going to be out of here. You know, puncher's a position that I could see them doing an upgrade at. Whether it's you know whether it is Vedvik, whether it is they make a decision early on and and cut one of those guys to bring in another puncher into camp. I don't see them carrying three punchers into camp. I think that's ridiculous. Um, unless they do that and not bring in a second kicker, um, but I, I could definitely see them doing an upgrade at punter the one thing that always blows my mind with Bajorquez is you get some really really good kicks from Bajorquez and then you get some and you're like how is he still on this team (laughs) it's good for a shank every now and then yeah yeah and there's not enough consistency with him 
You know, uh, I look back this year to the game against New England that that New England blocked the uh, blocked the field goal for. Or, I'm sorry, blocked the uh, punt for the touchdown, which ultimately ended up being the game-winning score. If you really want to go back and look at it that way, yep. All he had to do was really pick his head up and see the guy coming, and do something with it. I know I listen to a lot of Pat McAfee show, especially now that I'm stuck inside a lot and watching sports and trying to watch TV. There's nothing on anymore but the news, so I listen to a lot of podcasts. And Pat McAfee always talks about every week on his shows is is always about the punchers. And one thing that he always says is when you're a puncher and you're back there, you always have a backup play called if you can see that guy rushing in. And he broke down that tape early on with, with Bohorkas. I, I, I got to find it. I'll have to send it over to you. But he broke that tape down early on where you could see the rush was going to come. And all Bohorkas had to do was call his guys in from the outside and call them in uh, to come block. And he never did that. He left the guys out wide, and that just kind of let New England come in with their full full squad there and be able to block that punt. And that's something that is, is I, I guess you could say, maybe a learning curve for Bohorkas. Maybe it's something that the special teams coaches need to focus on a little bit more with the punters and, and the special team guys and have them recognize that early on. Um, but those are mistakes that you can't make. Those those are the kind of mistakes that are going to cost you playoff games. That could cost you victories. That could cost you playoff position. Or 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 I'm going to say it could cost you a Super Bowl. But th- those are mistakes that you need to definitely improve on sooner than later. So um, I could definitely see them make make an upgrade at, at punter as well. All right, man. Uh, that's a good good uh, good breakdown here. Anything you want to hit before we sign off? Real quick, man. I know baseball season was supposed to start this week. What are your uh, What are your thoughts on uh, on baseball season? When will we be playing? What uh, man, What are your off, thoughts? R.I.P. Opening day was supposed to be last Thursday. I'm sad about it. Uh, when do I think we'll be playing, man? I have no idea. My My only guess is that it's going to be longer than most people think. So, if um, if it's possible to have opening day on the fourth of July, that would be really cool. I don't, I don't know. Like, like they seem to want a really long, longer spring training than I would have thought. So, I don't even know if we're gonna have that by fourth of July. But if it, if this dies down, and hopefully the, you know, the weather effects are, are as much as they're hoping, or even more, um, I don't have a ton of confidence that we can get there right now. But I would say. At this point, my over-under for, like, any team activities probably July. You know, nothing says happy birthday America like opening day of baseball season. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Like, this this is super optimistic, so, uh, like, absolutely. just, just no, need to say that. But that would be great. I agree. Um, you know, I again, I live in Atlanta now, so Atlanta's a huge baseball town. You know, with, with even with the Falcons here and... and, and in the ML uh, MLS here, this is a town that just loves the Braves, um, and you can even even see like they were talking to some people the other day on the news. Just people are going into depression right now without without Braves baseball, um, and it's something that I've I've definitely adopted. You know, being from Buffalo, we didn't really have a team, and I could never root for the Yankees. I know you're a Yankees guy, but could never root for the Yankees growing up. Just was not my thing. Um, but moving to Atlanta, I have adopted the Braves as my team, 
and I liked a lot of what they did this offseason. I was really looking forward to to them kicking off the year and, and seeing Freddie's hit some uh, some free bombs and, uh, you know, and seeing Acuna, uh, you know, leading off with some homers again this year. But we'll see, man. Hopefully baseball comes back sooner than later and we can, uh, you know, enjoy some sports. And I have no problem sitting down and having a whole show about baseball if that's what the people want. <laughs> Hey, when uh, when we when we get a start date for the season, we'll be able to do that. One thing I heard real quick before we go, man, was that the players and the managers and the GMs were all talking about possibly doing a seven inning double headers um, for most of the year to kind of get back on track so they could fit all the games in. But instead of playing nine complete innings, they do seven innings and they play two games a day. That's that's ambitious for every single day. I could see some series being instead of a three game series, you have a two games and then day two would be a doubleheader. I thought the same. I, I did think the same thing. I thought you're asking a lot of players at that point to kind of do a lot, um, and I don't know what that does for player agreements and things like that for for baseball. But I wouldn't I wouldn't hate seeing you know two games of, of baseball a day per team. I wouldn't complain too much, but I do think that you need to limit it to, to maybe one a series or mm-hmm. one every other series or one a month. But uh, I think there's plenty of ways where they can, can play enough baseball to fit enough games in. You know, they need to play a shortened season. I think the Major League Baseball season is a little bit longer than what it needs to be. 162 games is way too many. We can just say that. There you go. 162 is 162. You don't need to play that many. No, I mean, I'll, and, and you know what? And I'll say this too. I think the NHL and and uh, NBA with eighty two games is a lot of games to play. Yeah, in that's too long sports. too. That's you too know, long. You don't need that long of seasons. But uh, I have no problem if they want to shorten the season up a little bit. I think it'd make things a lot more interesting right off the hop. And at that point, literally every single game is going to matter from beginning to end. And I think it could be a really, really exciting baseball season when we get some baseball going. Yeah, I can't wait. And I, I'm a I'm a big proponent too of like there's so much random randomness in smaller samples, like do it you know, be the best team over the longest period. But hundred and sixty two games. Like think about playing a hundred games and be like, Yeah, we still got like another fifty <laughs> percent more to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it'll be interesting, man. I just just want sports back. I need something. I need something. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for doing this, guys. If you like what you heard, please remember to like, rate, and subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter at the underscore process pod. I'm at Nick Veronica. Charlie's at Chawit, C-H-A-W-I-T. Is that right? That's right, man. 68. Find me on Nailed Twitter. And Chawit 68. I'm sorry. You got it. It only took you like eight podcasts, nine podcasts to get it, but I'm, I'm glad you finally got it. Well, I just tweet you so much, it just autofills, and I just click on you. So <laughs> That's that, I do the exact same thing. I do the exact same thing. <laughs> All right, guys. Stay safe out there. Stay inside. Wash Stop your hands. Stop the spread. Flatten the curve. Wash your hands. <laughs> Trust the process.